everybody, and welcome to episode 20 of Drop the Needle in the Haystack, a podcast where we take a listen to tracks on Spotify that have never been played before using the Forgotify website. And can you believe it? We're double digits. Well, I guess we've been double digits for a while, but we're into 20 now. <laughs> double tens, I mean to say. I'm going to pass it off to Eric. Uh, I'm actually debating about cutting this, but Eric, take it away so I don't have a choice. Yeah, so um, I don't know what he wants me to say because Matt's actually starting the episode today. But uh, another mess up from Robbie, I guess. Well, yes, Eric, you don't have you don't have any great bits, any advertisements you want to fucking throw in here? We're like what one minute in, and he's already dropping f bombs. This Listen. is why I keep having to put explicit in the content warning. <laughs> God, censor me! <laughs> just gotta keep rolling with it. This kinetic energy will be a great show. Great show, Matt. I think take I think he just. I think he just defaulted to you, Eric, because you're like piloting this now that like for some reason Robbie broke his uh, his Zoom. I didn't break it's Zoom who it's had the a problem with me. <laughs> it's one thing after another with this guy. You know? Zoom, like, Zoom is trying to keep him down. Zoom is trying to censor me. <laughs> but okay, yeah. So I have the first selection this week. So this was um this was a weird find. I, I totally like fooled myself. Maybe I should save the twist for after the listening, but uh, this track is called The Narrow Gate, and it's by the artist, I think they're called Tripsichord Music Box, but if you look them up on Spotify, they'll just be Tripsichord, and the album will be called Music Box. So how about we just take a listen to like a good 30 seconds here, and then I'll talk a little bit about them after we listen. so much that i really liked about this as i listened to it and um if you listen to it from the beginning the whole song really just kind of like unfolds at its at its own pace and uh yeah for me when i when i first listened to this uh when i was digging through forgotify i had no clue like when this music was and like what kind of music it, it was so then of course i had to look them up uh so tripsichord or tripsichord music box was an American psychedelic rock group from the 60s. And when I first heard that track, I was like, this could be like 2010-ish, 2012-ish, like that that big indie wave that kind of happened with like, you know, Fleet Foxes and, you know, who can forget Mumford and Sons when everyone and their brother played the ukulele. Um, Man, let me just tell you that he's not listening. So whatever. My roommate in college, before I even had like, uh, a couple weeks to enjoy Mumford and Sons, it was already ruined for me. You know, like, you remember having hipster friends that were aggressively seeking out as much music as they possibly could? You like, say, calling? through a website that plucks a random track from Spotify that's never <laughs> been played? Yeah, I, I know people like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, at least. One or two. But, you know, they, they're like, oh, have you heard of this band? And then you're like, no. And then they've got to spend the next, like, ten minutes telling you about, like, oh, they're they're so great like what was that he was into like math rock stuff like that he couldn't just listen to what everyone else was listening to one of, one of those guys sure Mumford sons was dead to me from the beginning because he got himself a <laughs> ukulele from like the town music store and we're, we're roommates so i just wanted to like 
pluck my ears out because he wouldn't stop. He he was pretty bad at it too, playing his ukulele and trying to like play the Mumford Sons on it. But anyway, for a second I was like, this song kind of sounds like Mumford and Sons. But then when you listen to the singer, I was like, the, the guy kind of singing like um like John Lennon, specifically kind of as this song unfolded, like you get more of that kind of uh Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club era of of like singing and songwriting with this very kind of carefree sounding guitar strumming pattern and almost improvised sounding vocal harmonies i remember eric you you were the one that was like is this two or three singers and then we were all kind of confused about that for a second but uh that's enough of my rambling what did what did you guys think about this as you were listening to it yeah so exactly what you said right there the first time we listened through this, I was really captivated by the voices. And because you're right, the predominantly uh, there's there's two singers singing most of the time. It's male and female lead vocals. But then, yeah, this third voice comes in and just fleshes out the harmony. And it makes it, it makes for some really, really magical moments that um, that are really, really cool to hear. I totally agree with your your other assessment. And I just wanted to jump in because you talked about your roommate playing ukulele <laughs> my freshman roommate played irish tin whistle no that way. was his big thing that was uh, his big thing he would come back to the dorm and just toodle do on the irish tin whistle <laughs> so um, how many how many songs could he play because i can't imagine there being a vast repertoire oh of... oh there there was a vast repertoire <laughs> really <laughs> he was he was i mean he was a flute player so he got oh. really into it. He bought multiple Irish tin whistles in different keys, bought multiple books of Irish tin whistle songs Jesus. and would learn these jigs. And, you know, that was like his personality freshman year uh, was the Irish tin whistle. Was he so, allowed to do that? Because that's a pretty piercing instrument, like in a dorm room. Uh, well, it was the music dorm, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. That would do it. We're going to get, there were, out of all the people in that dorm, he was not the loudest. So that's yeah, yeah. Robbie knows. Robbie, yeah. you were in that dorm too, we right? We were at the same dorm for freshman year. Yeah. Oh, young Eric and Robbie, a million yeah. years ago now. What a time to be alive! Yeah, no, actually, our friend Will was the loudest person in that dorm mm. uh, freshman year. They got multiple noise complaints, as I recall. They did. We used to have a band. Where uh, yeah, you were part of it. I you was were part of it. You were part of the noise complaints. <laughs> I so, forgot about that. Okay, well, part of yeah, part of the play for that. But I think he would sing and play keyboards, and we had one of our other friends would beat on the the guitar case as like a percussion instrument, and that was like our thing. He had the guitar case as percussion, and people were mad at us. Yeah, what was that acapella movie that was all the rage in twenty twelve? Uh, pitch perfect pitch yeah perfect. pitch perfect it was like something out of pitch perfect banging on yeah. your guitar case we were the pitch perfect my yeah. my father loves that movie which is I very like... it's very off-brand for my father my father like he's i think he's tried every sport like known to man and he's like pretty good at all sports you know he's just a good hockey loving baseball watching all-american guy and one night i came home like you know pretty late and it's not uncommon for my parents to just be like one of them to still be up watching tv i came home and he's like he's sitting like in the back then watching the tv and he's he's like this he's like hands like he's he's like haunched on his on his you know like leaning forward watching yeah. the tv and i'm like totally captivated yeah 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 and i'm like what you what you watching that and he's like 
Pitch Perfect 3. The first one. <laughs> he's like he's like i really liked the first movie the second one was still pretty good and i'm not so sure about this one but uh what's her name anna kendrick i think yeah he's like but anna kendrick is just a fantastic actress and i'm like this is this is like really off brand for you dad you like make fun of mom for watching hallmark movies yeah pitch perfect three return of the queen is that what it's called Man, no, you guys no, had no, a music no. dorm. So, I'm so glad we didn't have those at my university. Yeah, it was like the well, most annoying dorm, probably. It was an incredibly annoying dorm for multiple reasons. Not just like all the obnoxious music majors, but also the fact that it was a 20-minute walk from the music buildings. It was very far. It was almost as far away from the music buildings as a dorm could be. That seems contradictory to the point of a music dorm. It made all of us very upset. Were you allowed to practice in there? Well... Some people decided to practice their Irish tin whistle, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> the rest of us, no, we uh, we went to the dorms or the oh, okay. practice rooms. Okay, okay. So that then, why was it a music dorm if you weren't allowed to practice? Were there practice rooms in the dorm? It there was, was more one. Like, oh, yeah, there was one, but it was more like a community, like the whole performing arts oh, branch okay, okay. of things, and we're gonna be like. I don't know, do fucking talent shows every week for everybody. Oh, that's right. You guys did do those. You did. Don't fuck say you guys did do those. <laughs> you don't get to exclude yourself from this. You were in there I with was us. not a part of that. You I were in there with never. us. Don't believe I was me. not. I was not. It was not. I think I went to the first one, and then I was like, uh. This okay. isn't for me. I'm Eric. Did Eric me. have a beard? Did Eric have a beard then, Robbie? He did have a beard. Not then. freshman year. Not freshman no. year? No. Oh. It wasn't until sophomore year. Well, he's always bearded in my mind. I think I've only seen him once without the beard, or at least it's just a very, very trimmed beard. I've shaved it a few times over the years, but it hasn't. It just doesn't look. Yeah, right. it never lasts, you know. I remember one time you shaved it into like a goatee, and it was very devious. Goatee plus like the handlebar mustache, right? Yeah, no, no, no. when it was long enough. Yeah. Wow, we times. really deviated from. Um, yeah, I'm so sorry. I don't. I... <laughs> Irish ten muscle. That's it's my bad. All right, so going back to the track. <laughs> you just, we've all just been grinding this axe we've had about our freshman year roommates and what we hate about them. Hey, I never said anything negative. I was just pointing out and letting you fill in the blanks. It's just been festering feel. in my heart like a burning lump of coal for these eight years. <laughs> oh Jesus, eight years. Okay, yeah. So. Really like the track. What did you think of the track? <laughs> okay, slips back into <laughs> podcast voice seamlessly. But to answer your question, I liked it a lot. In fact, I even when we were doing our 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 you know pre-show listen, I was kind of in the process of getting all my tabs together for my diligently researched portion of the show, and I remember you know there was a part where I was like, oh fuck, I like this. You know, not that not that I was expecting not to like it, but it's always especially with a track on Forgotify or one of these totally random tracks that it's there's something so special about when I don't know something clicks in your brain which is like oh you actually like this so pay attention and I agree with all the the comments about the the things like the harmony right there is something that seems very sort of playful and and, and relaxed about the the presentation right the relaxed strumming pattern the sort of you know, uh, harmon- harmonic lines that, that go in and out that has a very kind of rollicking and relaxed quality. And then we didn't get a chance to listen to it, but there's even some interesting like rhythmic breaks with castanets and stuff. So there's a lot going on in this track, even even just this, you know, 
one sample from their from their discography. Yeah, yeah the whole thing is definitely worth a listening. Yeah, it really reminds me of the this is super similar to the kind of music that my mom listens to and like always listened to when I was a kid because my mom was really big into psychedelic rock and um I don't think it's overtly similar to the Grateful Dead but like that style of just kind of I I get the feeling they just kind of felt out the vocals like when it's the two person vocals the not to be like a you know stick up my butt theory nerd but it didn't sound like there was like voice leading goals if you if you heard it like the second voice that's kind of harmonizing the primary voice it just sounded kind of like improvised on on like nice open harmonically consonant intervals but then there were those moments when when the third voice did jump in and it had that little bloom that you guys made fun of where like they they said a word and then the other two voices uh repeated the word on harmony but then like later on the three voices were in harmony but there was like did you hear it robbie there was a moment of like dissonance with the guitar right right in the strumming pattern like he yeah he, he knocked the wrong string <laughs> Or something, or maybe like one of the voices sang a note too close to like the guitar. Something weird happened, but it was like you could tell it was just one of those in the magic of the the moment where neither had consulted with one another, but the improvisation just kind of led to that. And I think that's what was like a it really like embodied this time of, of music making because you can even hear if with like the the tempo fluctuations. Did you guys kind of notice that there's definitely not it's a not pick rock track. steady? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I love that when you can hear that in um, in recordings, like older recordings especially. To me, the funniest, I don't know if it's funny, I just like it, is uh, with you know my favorite song, September, by Earth, Wind, and Fire. If you listen to the, the cowbell at the beginning of the track versus at the end of the track, it's significantly faster than when they start the song. Really? They speed yeah. up? Yeah, because during the, like, the little intro vamp, the cowbell's going, and then if you listen to it, like even just a few measures later, the cowbell has already sped up. They're they're already getting pumped up by the time the horns come in. You know, as much as we like to pretend rhythmic accuracy and perfection is the ultimate goal, that would make for some pretty boring music making in most genres. And I think it's really nice for us to hear that that freedom, that spur of the moment kind of like decision making, the imperfection. I mean, sure, we're we're used to like hearing studio perfect click tracked recordings, but then like that's the whole point of why we listen to live albums, right? Like live recordings. Yeah. We want to hear the, yeah, the, the inconsistency. The unexpected. Yeah. We yeah, want to yeah. hear the thing that, yeah, we're just not going to hear in an album. Anyway, I think, uh, I think we've said a lot. I, I really like this track, Matt. So good job on uh, clicking yeah, I, the next button on Forgotify until you found it. Thanks. <laughs> I kind of yeah. wonder if my mom knows this group. I feel like she might have just like, randomly heard of them this is close to when she was in california so maybe i'll ask her all right i think um i'm up next so i tried looking up this band there's absolutely nothing out there the only thing i could find was that this album is also available on amazon but there's no band page as far as i can tell and there's nothing about the album i uh let me just see if there's go to artists if spotify has anything nope the artist about is not three monthly listeners or a bio yet we're one of those three monthly listeners. Wow. Um, and look where people are listening from. Watertown, U.S., Patterson, U.S., Elk Grove, Georgia. Okay. So, um, Anyway, I guess I should introduce a band. It's called Through the Enemy. Uh, on the album, I think, Through the Enemy. Yes. And the track is Pressure to Please. And I'm going to be starting around the 115 mark. 
Okay, so that is Pressure to Please, Through the Enemy, I uh, believe it was released in 2012, which uh, sounds about right to me. Sometimes Spotify isn't totally accurate on release dates, but that one sounds about right. This reminds me a lot of the music I listened to freshman year of high school, uh, specifically a band called Senses Fail, which I think uh, is technically part of the new metal scene, and that's new spelled N-U. Um, and new metal is kind of, it's like the bridge between hard rock and metal, you know, it's not like screamo metal and it's also a little bit more gritty than, you know, hard rock. So it's, it kind of bridges that gap. I don't really hear, at least I haven't listened to this whole album, so I don't know if they get into it in some places, but in this track, there's no like screaming element or even really guttural voice. Um, but you do have that double bass drum element going on and the heavier guitar sounds and the sort of shout singing yell singing um, yeah what was that a more aggressive that was like a symptom of the time right but what was the band who first sounded like that i remember we used to make fun of that style of singing when it was really overdone in the metal band i played in uh was it creed was, was it, it creed was it like the creed style of like like that really yeah. back of the throat kind of like um even it definitely sounds like the time yeah like even uh, nickelback but... kind of sounded like that for a little while with that that there was two songs of theirs right <laughs> it was photograph yeah, and um what was their other song I'm wait sure. phot photograph isn't a crate song <laughs> Was it Lifehouse or something like that? Was it? I don't know. You're, you're asking the wrong guy. Who remembers? I was too afraid to listen to Nickelback. All my friends made fun of it. I just remember <laughs> they would smell it on you. <laughs> there's um, this is this like another little off-topic tangent. But Eric, remember how I showed you? There's those guys that just go around in VR chat interviewing people. Yes. Yeah. Another really famous one of theirs. They asked a Korean guy what his time in like the Korean military was like. And they were just talking. Okay. They're like, what kind of music do you like? He's like, oh, uh, I, I actually don't really like, because I thought he'd like K-pop. He's like, I like American rock. And they're like, really? Like, who's your favorite band? And he's like, oh, uh, uh, do you know Nickelback? I love them. Oh, <laughs> and the no. guys doing the interview were like, no, no, Nickelback? <laughs> like, no. And he's like, what? What's wrong? <laughs> Poor guy. He just fair, didn't know. Fair enough, yeah. you know. I mean, they were a worldwide sensation, so it makes they were. sense. Yeah, yeah. 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 but there's but a no, lot of I... markers to this music that it's like i know what you mean like i like what you said about how it being sort of between hard rock and like metal that makes sense yeah to me. yeah what do you think robbie uh well i like a lot of the and getting into metal is a genre of music that uh you know i don't have a lot of context for or, or a lot of knowledge to speak on but i definitely do hear that particular vocal quality Thus, definitely bring to mind a lot of bands 
from this time period. Uh, and I like a lot of the, the rhythmic breaks. I, I know, you know, the, the drum breaks and guitar riffs are sort of like part and parcel of the whole metal genre. That's like the big thing. And, and real people who are into metal would probably laugh at me if I said, oh, this is pretty good break or a good double, what are those things called where you got the two fucking feet going? Double kick. Double, double kick. Pedal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd probably laugh if I said, oh, that's a good one because I'm sure there's like a million more advanced or better ones but i i liked it oh yeah yeah i mean oh, that's yeah. like the most base level of, <laughs> uh double bass pedaling i think breaks Fucking got me breaks are just such a big part of this music i remember when yeah when i was more into metal like in high school it's like the break was always the really interesting part of the song for me because like i think it's it's a lot of where the excitement comes from and also, like, you know, moshing culture, seeing the music live, right? The break is when everyone just, like, loses their mind. Um, and it's really impressive. If you ever, like, uh, see the overhead cam of the drummer and, like, the, the sheer work that these guys are putting in. Like, metal drummers are something else, man. Yeah. It's, uh, it guy, is a physical activity, for sure. The thing that really... This is my only big, like, meh with this track is during the verse, like, we heard a little bit of the verse... He was really like leaning in on a symbol that was just a little too overpowering, a little too present for me. Because then, like during the chorus, I think he goes to a splash symbol or maybe just an open hi hat, something a little less uh, overbearing. But honestly, that's probably their audio engineer's fault. Yeah, yeah. One of the symbols was just a way too high in the mix, or the frequency wasn't brought down enough. So, Matt, I have a question for you then. So you say you were more into metal in high school, but. If I, if for a newbie like me, if if I was like gonna hear a real break or like a real fucking double kick section, what would I listen to? What would you say? Hmm, I think like some honestly classic and super solid uh, breaks are if you just go to the classics, like go to Metallica, hmm. go to uh, Slayer. Like the breaks in Slayer are insane, especially because they do such big time shifts, like um, tempo shifts. Hmm. And those were moments where, especially when I was like playing in the metal band, you're really glad that you've got the click track in your ear, because right. when the tempo just changes on a dime like that, you're you're all praying for the drummer to be like rock solid when they come in, and the drummer's like, "I hope I memorize the click properly." <laughs> Isn't but, it? Sorry, go ahead. But uh, no, that's pretty much what I was going to say. What are you going to say, Eric? Oh, I was just, isn't the joke about Metallica, I don't know the drummer's name, like the main drummer, but isn't the joke like he's not even the best drummer in Metallica? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's because he's very, the... very that's... inconsistent with his tempos. I mean, I'm sure that's been said about him, but that's, I think that joke started with the Beatles. Did that start with the Beatles? Okay. Yeah, when they were like, is, someone asked them, is Ringo Starr the best drummer, or like one of the best drummers in the world? And I think John, I think John says... Ringo's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, I'm no, sure it's it like actually... <laughs> there's Alright, so the drummer's name is Lars Ulrich. Oh, yeah. And he has like a drumming fails compilation from 2019 alone. <laughs> so <laughs> just one year, he had enough, like, I guess, mess-ups that uh, he has his own fails compilation. Well, I guess now but... we're speaking at like the two ends of the spectrum. It's okay if you like speed up as a group but you want to be able to keep time <laughs> otherwise yeah. people will put a failed compilation of you up on youtube and a bunch of fucking 17 year olds will laugh at you to be I fair mean, though you... like just hitting a break hitting the ground running on a break because it's seriously like 
you know everything stops and then you've just got to be like in on it i'm sure that's really anxiety inducing like think of any big transitions that you've had to make in your musical careers right like i told you guys the story of how i literally farted through a recapitulation and screwed everything up right <laughs> no i don't think we heard this one i don't think you've told us this one man oh come on i have to have told you guys this one. <laughs> don't know it's not ringing a bell no all right during you know, okay the recapitulation is you know obviously if you're a classical musician you you are probably familiar with this and a sonata form recapitulation comes at the end of the development going into the third section of the sonata the recap where old material comes back and uh i was playing the pooling sonata which are i i don't know if either of you guys are familiar with the pooling oboe sonata but in the first movement there's a truly anxiety inducing transition into the recapitulation uh the music slows down the piano thins out and you're super exposed in your high register and you just have to nail this really high slur up to like the third ish octave of your instrument at like super quiet dynamic right and -hmm. this is one of those moments where like if you're the audience you're not paying attention to it you're just like whatever that sounded like nothing but if you're the performer you're just like all right, pick a god and pray, clench, and hope you don't screw up. <laughs> clench. This, this transition was just, like, really god-awful for me. I was playing it in my junior recital. I was all anxietyed out. And, um, yeah, when we got to that moment, I, I was just like, oh, no. I <laughs> I have to, I like kind of have to fart. But, like, not, a, not like a bad one, just like, you know, a regular old. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, it's dead quiet. It's you're in a recital <laughs> hall. It's dead quiet. You can hear a pin drop, and this is like a super pianissimo transition. So I'm standing. I'm playing the oboe, which is like, you know, which is already awful, embarrassing enough. An awful back pressure instrument, and I'm at the most horrifying part of of this piece. And I actually got through. I got through the transition. I nailed the slur. It was fine. And then in the sheer relief of having played the high note, the hard notes correctly, I foolishly unclenched every muscle in my body, <laughs> let out let out an inaudible fart, but then in I freaked out and I screwed up the next like two notes and, and you can hear it. You can hear it on the recording. It's right on the recapitulation of the pooling sonata. I just screw up because I farted. <laughs> So when you said farted your way through a recapitulation, I thought literally. you just meant, yeah, no. I was not thinking so literally. No, it's literal. <laughs> <laughs> so all this is to say that nailing a transition is hard and a break is a real anxiety inducing like transition. I mean, even the professionals screw it up. Have you guys seen the the, the San Francisco Philharmonic? where Michael Tilson Thomas is conducting, he cues in a euphonium solo for like whichever Mahler has the euphonium in it, and they just botch the, they crack the first note. Mm. And you can you can see Michael Tilson Thomas like his yeah. face in anguish for them because it happened. Uh, yeah, you hate to see that. That's rough. Man, we're getting some good some some good uh, anecdotes today. Hell yeah. Uh, 
So, Robbie, you've got to overshare for our third track, I guess. Oh, fine. This, yeah, we'll just call this <laughs> section of the podcast The Robbie Head Show. That's right, everybody. Welcome to the cool part of the podcast, The Robbie Head Show. That's my last name. I don't know if I've ever said that. Anyway. Oh, I cannot minimize Zoom. It wouldn't be the Robbie Head Show if I tried to min- if I didn't try to minimize the Zoom recording while I was recording it and be told by the machine that I can't do that. What what last name are you not sure you told him about? Are you, is hey. the joke is the joke that Show is your last name and that No, no, no. He I, just always says I'm Robbie. I'm Robbie. No, surely he said Robbie Head before. I I'm sure he has. I have He's many just, times. You know, oh, in, in the moment, he probably forgot that he said head. Oh, I like God. how we just, yeah, just fucking psychoanalyze me right here, right after I say anything. What a good fucking... Why do you uh... think he did that? <laughs> no, continue. Today, we're going back to our old friends at the Smithsonian Folkway Recordings, which is like, this is like one third of our podcast, literally, things we find in yeah, the can... Smithsonian. Yeah, can the Smithsonian Folkway. Can they can they sponsor us or give us like maybe I don't know like a free membership or something? Right, let us come see all your to cool. What? Oh, to the Smithsonian. It's to already Smithsonian. free. Yeah. It's already free, Matt. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got another one. So yeah, definitely take a look at this Folkway's uh, Smithsonian website if you haven't. Lots of good ones. But the one I found on Forgotify comes from Music of the World's Peoples, Volume Five, the best one probably. These are collections of uh, recordings that were put together by none other than our my friend and yours, Henry Cow, that crazy guy. Didn't he do tone clusters? Isn't that like his thing? He was like, these I are called was, tone clusters. He was most famous for the banshee, the, the piano piece. Oh, of, the string, of, right? Yeah, yeah. So he also found these recordings, lots of different ones from all over the world. Uh, and a lot of them are, are uh, you know, uncredited, or, or at least I can't find a lot of information about the performer. So I'm doing my best to look up anything I could find. But the one we're looking at is uh, called I Beg You Heart. I presume that's a translated title because it comes from Ethiopia. Uh, Eric, let's take a listen to this, and then I will tell us a little more about it. So, a few interesting things to talk about here. Firstly, speaking just in terms of uh, the instrument we hear on the recording, uh, that's called a bagena. I believe that's called a bagena. And you probably recognize this thing from your music history course if you took it, because it's, it's, it's one of the most ancient instruments. It's kind of similar to a lyre. Uh, it, according to some things I was able to find, it sort of is identified with the kinor of ancient Israel. So that's like when they talk about David playing to soothe King Saul, that's the instrument they're sort of referring to. So this very ancient instrument. And another thing that's interesting about it and that you probably hear in this recording, uh, the beginna has this sort of buzzing sort of noise. And you probably heard that. the Some of it comes from the old recording, but it's meant to have this buzzing sound. And that comes from a U-shaped kind of bit of letter that goes between each string and the bridge of the instrument. And then it's adjusted up and down along the string so that whenever you pluck the string, it vibrates kind of against it and against the edge of the bridge. And that's sort of how it gets that... Um, 
that buzzing quality. So uh, mm. it's like a, a standing instrument. It's got strings. Looks like kind of like a, a vertical harp. You either meant to pluck it or you can use like something like a plectrum. Um, and this particular recording, just speaking kind of not from a historical point and just my impressions of listening to it, what really drew me to it is the very, I don't know, the very specificness of the sound. It's it sort of uh, took me aback right away because it has a very particular quality, the 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 begana, and then the 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 sort of singing that goes along with it was uh, also quite striking. Um, from what I can gather, this instrument is mainly used in like religious ceremonies and, and, and you know meditations and things like that. Um, but I, I really enjoyed kind of this window into a whole other world of music. And that's another, I think this is a good episode because it, it's kind of like three of my favorite things we can find. Like one older group that is legitimately really great that just kind of, for whatever reason, we didn't uh, get a lot of listeners over the years. One sort of group that is just an indie group. And then this bit of music that I would have never really thought about otherwise. What are you guys' thoughts? Anything? I never would have guessed that it was a, it's a plucked instrument, plucked string. Yes, that's. I thought um, I've I've seen instruments that are similar to like a, a marimba, where you sit and play it, and it has a buzzing portion. Also, it's um, I don't remember what the instruments were called, but the African drumming class at my old university used them. And I think they were Ghanaian. They were from Ghana. But they had a, a resonating chamber that had bits of either maybe leather, like what you're saying, or wood that actually buzzed against the resonating chamber. But I find those instruments so interesting. Instruments that have like a, a membrane, a buzzing membrane. Because I don't think... I don't think any of the mainstream Western orchestral instruments use a buzzing membrane. But um, you know, I have in my possession a, a Chinese flute that has a buzzing membrane on it. And like, I didn't know when my sister got it for me, I like didn't know how to play it. Cause I was like, what's this hole doing up here that like I can't cover with my, it's way too far away. And then I looked it up and I had to, it's like uh, you're supposed to use a, a treated onion skin, but I just used, synthetic fish skin from like my oboe making supplies and it works as almost the same thing but it's just such a cool i don't know te technological aspect to instruments that we don't get to experience in in western music um yeah what do you what do you think eric yeah so i'm just a little curious when was this recorded robbie is there any information on that uh i don't let me check just the website there see if they've got it so it's 1961 is the when this album was released but it sounds to me like it it must be even older than that right i think uh, it's a, I, I would guess because it doesn't say at this page i'm looking at but i would guess it's somewhere in the yeah the early 20th century a little before that i mean henry cowell was old i mean yeah early 20th century because the quality sounds almost like pre uh pre-vinyl yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. It's what was the thing that you, you had cylinder. to turn? Yeah, yeah, wax yeah, cylinder. Yeah. Um, and I dropped a picture of the the instrument in the chat if you guys want to take a look yeah. at it because I think it it does. I remember seeing this in like my music history textbook. I wonder. I wonder what it would sound like if the quality was better. You know, 
I wonder that, but I also specifically kind of wonder what this music was for. Was this like ceremonial music? Was this music, um, you know, just like a, a call to something like some kind of religious aspect, you know, like what what was the purpose of this music? Because it sounds like music with a purpose, right? It doesn't sound like uh, let's all go to the dance hall and, you know, listen to and I mean that not jokingly like just you know it doesn't sound like celebration music you know what i mean right well i think this particular uh track it it's described as a lament in kind of the liner notes so i think it, it's this particular one is is meant as something like that but from looking at the instrument uh you know it, it's associated like it says with meditations and with prayers it kind of actually took off a little bit into uh you know the ortho the ethiopian uh, ethiopian Ethiopian Orthodox Christian Church and sort of was incorporated into their services, it seems like. Interesting. Another, another interesting part of, about it is because of its sort of intimate and sacred role in, uh, you know, Ethiopian culture, it was harder and harder in the modern age to find people that, that you know, were knowledgeable about it and were willing to share it. And it seems like there's been an effort in uh past few decades to, to really kind of uh, revitalize make, it yeah revitalize it and, and once again all this is just from very brief research online and i want to stress that from just my first glance but i think it's uh definitely something that's interesting to look into yeah it's, it's super interesting it's always interesting to you know there's a whole field of study for those who listen and aren't aren't aware called ethnomusicology that sole purpose is to um learn about the music cultures of other nations and peoples because in general in america especially we are so fixated on western art music and the music that came after and that is being created today um yeah it's funny timing i actually i have to audit a class right now for like to, to prepare for some eventual field work i might do but i'm eth i'm auditing it's called issues in ethnomusicology because Ooh. by now I, f I feel like the field of ethnomusicology is at least like probably 60, a good 60 years old now, right? I think it was like big, started to become big in the 50s, but don't quote me on that. Yeah. But of course, you know, ethnomusicology as a study brought with it uh, tons of like ethical issues, right? Where it's like, yeah. well, who are who are we as like, you know, Western musicians and, and people studying Western cultures and histories to be putting the rest of the world in a box kind of you know it's like there's western music and then there's everything else everything else yeah like that's uh it, it, it implies a very um what's the word ethnocentrism i guess right yeah it's interesting when you get really really old recordings like this because that's when this was all starting right you had I guess in this case, Henry Cowell going out into the field, but who else did it? Like Bartok and uh, Kodai, yep, even though they those, did it much others. more close to home with like, you know, it was folk music. That was like them kind of exploring their own culture. Yeah, which is its very own uh, kind of problem, right? Of like othering the, the folk of their own culture. Yeah. But yeah, I, I've never seen this instrument before, despite like, how apparently old it is and you're right i i was also looking at the page and it's like this may be a close relative to the instrument that david played from like the bible 
So like, is this the song that they're talking about in Hallelujah that David played to please the Lord? Right. This was the, the secret chord. You need a vibrating membrane, it turns out. <laughs> That's why we've, okay. we haven't been able to figure out all uh, this time. Exactly. Rufus and, uh, shouldn't have been playing the guitar. <laughs> and I just want to... I just want to say I told you so. In 1950, Dutch musicologist um, Mr. Kunst coined the term ethnomusicology. So, Robbie, you know what? Uh, he's making faces at me behind the camera because he was mocking me. I was not. I would never. He was he was mocking me off off screen. You listeners at home, you couldn't see it. But uh, you can quote me on that. Big in the 50s. There you go. <laughs> all right. I think that is about all I had for this one. Cool find. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Fine, Robbie. I encourage you guys, well, anyone listening who's interested, the folk area website's great. All these albums of the music of the world's peoples are really interesting and, and you know, obviously very diverse. So it's, it's worth checking out. I love that the Smithsonian has this because this is volume five. I mean, like. Yeah, this, it's a big thing. It's like a whole series. It's a big collection. All right. I think it's that part of the show where we talk about what we listened to this week. Um, Robbie's pulling it up on his phone, so I'm not gonna make him go right now. Oh, thank this I week, fellas. This week, oh, you can share. Go ahead. Yeah, Matt. yeah, yeah. Uh, some friends have been pointing me in the direction of uh, the less mainstream Korean hip hop and like Korean stuff like that. So I I've been taking a listen to uh, Epic High, and I just want to make sure it's spelled differently. Yeah, Epic with a K. Name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Epic High is the artist spelled with a K for the word epic. And I like it. This is really cool. It's definitely, yeah, not the super mainstream overproduced stuff. It's got its own unique flavor and style. So if you're curious, I'd recommend checking them out. Okay. Uh, Robbie, what about you? So this week, speaking of uh, good live albums, I listened to the Cannonball Adderley Quintet live at the Lighthouse in California. So another great live album and especially with someone like cannonball adderley has it's just such an interesting person to hear talk he's got a great voice and he's really engaging to listen to and he'll sort of talk a little bit about each piece and of course all the playing is really great with his brother as per usual and i think it's either joe zowie newell or or bobby timmons on the keyboard so live at the lighthouse okay well this week was mozart's birthday I don't know how old he was. Do you know, Matt? Uh, I only know when he died. Yeah. But okay. I, I don't know. So he died in like his 30s, right? Yeah. Give me a minute to do some math. I don't want to embarrass myself. All right. Well, whenever it's a big composer's birthday, it's all anyone ever posts about on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> As so, if they'll oh, see it and be grateful. Yeah. So... Uh, all my friends were posting their recordings of Mozart and Charity and pieces and whatever. But this week I listened to, in honor of that, Emmanuel Pahoud, the principal flute player of the Berlin Philharmonic, perform both the flute concerto in G major and the flute and harp concerto. Then I listened to Sabine Meyer perform the clarinet concerto. There's a there's an album of all that together. It's really nice. Nice. Mozart would be about what two hundred seventy ish, two probably two hundred sixty four. If I had to guess, if you had math, you, you could just you know yeah, use a yeah, calculator. Yeah, two okay. two hundred sixty. You don't have old. to guess. I guess is the point I was I was trying to 
Anime. I was trying to be independent of technology, Eric. Uh, Eric fucking gets wait, one wait, 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 ethnomusicology wait. fact right, and then he's all high and mighty. Let me let me just get this straight. So, did did you calculate this based on you knowing when he died? <laughs> did you did you calculate it based on when you were like, oh, he's thirty two when he died? So let me just count from there. No. Okay, I, so you did. <laughs> did you I know. His... I know he died at the end of the seventeen hundreds, at the age of thirty. So right. I went back to about 1750s. I know he wasn't born smack on 1750. And then I just estimated like 1750 to now 2020. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So you weren't like 30 and then let's go. To... <laughs> let's see. No. 31, 32. <laughs> no, that's not what I did. What I did was probably honestly much more stupid. I probably put more work into it than I had to. That's okay. You know, I just figured you would Google it, but that's okay. I checked on Google after to make sure that I wasn't completely off. Alrighty. Robbie, you want to do our outro? Right. So, thanks for listening. Episode 20. We did it. They said we'd never make it, but here we are. Did they? I guess maybe they did. Maybe they did. Who knows? They definitely did. Come on, it's the three of us. They totally did. They'd be surprised if we get past episode 5. Yeah. Keep betting against us. Keep shorting our stock, you bastards. <laughs> Topical. Who is who is they? Who are we talking about here? Spotify? Uh, all our friends. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah. Well, they never said it to real. our faces, but they definitely thought it. They yeah, felt they it. definitely thought it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, show them <laughs> that they're wrong. Eric, I'm trying to end the show. All right, end the show. Gosh. <laughs> show them that they're wrong by reviewing us on any app you watch podcasts on and fuck i really screwed this done again thank you for listening episode 20 rate review subscribe follow us on twitter at drop haystack and facebook and instagram at drop the needle in the haystack review rate it fucking send it everywhere you can get the word out you know normally in the um explicit content warning i have to put occasional cursing but or occasional expletives but for this episode it's just expletives every two minutes uh, yeah, robbie you've really been you were but... so good last episode robbie i don't think you said it once i mean what? i put we it there just... <laughs> oh, so... the guests are here we have to use the good china right exactly <laughs> all I... right as always Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next week.